Morning, everybody. There's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on around Christmas time, isn't there? And sometimes we almost have to be quite deliberate in uh, casting it all aside to see uh, what is truly left. Um, some 700 years or more before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke to us about his coming. And he helped us to understand what he would be like. Glenn. And he spoke a number of names uh, that the child that would characterize this child, and we've worked our way through them uh, so far in this series. We've looked at the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And today we come to the Everlasting Father and then on Christmas Day, the Prince of Peace. And it's probably this particular name, the Everlasting Father, that causes modern readers more problems than any of the others. And there are two reasons for this. Uh, the first one is a, is a theological one and the second one is more practical. For many of us, applying the term father to Jesus just sounds wrong or even shocking because we understand the Holy Trinity in very defined terms. There's God the Father, Jesus who is the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so for us um, to label Jesus with this term everlasting father creates something of a problem for how we understand the Trinity. And for still others, there's this problem that Pastor Bruce alluded to, whereby some people have quite negative connotations associated with the word father because of their own personal experiences with their own earthly father. So we approach this topic this morning with two potential biases. And as long as we're aware of those biases, then that's okay. The first one is a positional bias that we all have, which comes from our position on the biblical timeline, being this side of the cross. And this side of the cross, we have very clearly defined distinctions for the members of the Trinity. The second bias is a more personal one, and that depends upon your own personal relationship with your father, which may have been very good, um, may not have been so good, and may in fact have been non-existent at all. So we need to be careful as we approach this topic this morning that we put those biases aside and let the scripture speak for itself. Now, when we think of father, Nine times out of ten, we're thinking of dad. We're thinking of the male parent. But to the Hebrew mind, the word father carries a much broader range of possible meanings. It can mean, and often does mean, the male parent, but it could also mean grandfather or, in fact, any male ancestor. Or it could mean the head or the founder of a group in much the same way that in the children's song we sing about Father Abraham. Although the children singing the songs, none of them 
are biologically related to Abraham, still we sing of Father Abraham. In the same way that we speak of Mahatma Gandhi as father of the nation of India. That's another way that this term father can be applied. Can also mean the originator of a profession. In much the same way that we consider Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, or we consider Alan Turing, the father of the modern computer. So this is a way that they used to apply this particular term. The word translated father can also just be a term of respect or it can refer to a ruler or to a king. And so in all of these cases, the eternal nature of fatherhood described in this particular verse tells us that this one, this child who would be born was going to be unlike any other earthly father or earthly ruler or earthly founder or ancestor because no matter how good any of them are, their rule or their influence would be finite. And it's limited because it's finite. Jesus, on the other hand, would rule over and bless his people forever. Now this morning we've witnessed forefathers and, and foremothers commit themselves to raising their children to know Christ. Now no doubt each of these fathers will take their role seriously and each of them will do their very best to be the very best possible father that they could be to their son or daughter. But all of them are mortal and so their time on earth as fathers will be finite. Not so Jesus, who will rule over and bless his children forever. Now there's still another sense in which this term father could be applied according to Hebrew custom, whereby if you possess a certain characteristic, you could be called the father of it. So someone who is intelligent could be called the father of knowledge. Someone who is peaceful could be called the father of peace. Someone who is wise, the father of wisdom. Someone who is foolish, the father of folly. Now in Hebrew, the phrase that is translated everlasting father is literally father of eternity. So the father of eternity describes one who is eternal. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He died on a cross on a hill that we know as Golgotha. And for a time, he took on human form. And the extent of that time was somewhere around 33 years. But that was not the sum total of his existence because he's eternal. Jesus was not some temporary being who was created by God to come and do a job here on earth and then he ceased to exist. When the Virgin Mary conceived, she was not bringing forth new life. She was simply bringing forth the human form of the one 
who exists outside of time, God himself. That is the great miracle of Christmas, that God would take on human form and come to earth to die for us. As R.C. Sproul puts it, what we celebrate at Christmas is not so much the birth of a baby, but the incarnation of God himself. And we say that, don't we, over and over at Christmas, but when we stop to really take it in, it's an awesome concept that God would take on human form and come and walk the earth with us. Now, to the Jews of Jesus' day, this was blasphemy. When Jesus said to them, before Abraham was, I am, they picked up stones to stone him. And even today, it is a difficult concept for us to get our heads around. One God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three in one. One being each person of the Trinity unique and yet united as one. It's the core of what we believe. And so Isaiah didn't get it wrong when he called Jesus the everlasting Father. He didn't make a mistake and mistake God the Father for Jesus the Son. Listen to what the text says. Isaiah says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are names or titles by which this child would be known. Now, I am Caroline to those who meet me for the first time. To friends, I am Caro. To my parents, I am their daughter. To my nieces and nephews, I am auntie. To my husband, I am wife. I have many titles. Some of them I share with other people. My sister is also daughter to my parents, but that doesn't make us one and the same person. They're titles that we share. So neither does the fact that Isaiah calls Jesus wonderful counsellor make Jesus the same as the Holy Spirit. And the fact that he calls him everlasting father doesn't mean that he's God the Father. These are attributes or characteristics that they share, but it doesn't make them the same. Jesus very clearly identifies himself as a different person to God the Father. When he says to the Pharisees who were challenging the validity of his testimony, the testimony of two people is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Two testimonies, mine and that of the Father. He also said, I and my Father are one. So according to Jesus, they're different, but they're also one. And this is where we sometimes find it difficult to wrap our heads around. The Jews, they could cope with a great teacher or a great miracle worker, but to claim that I and my Father are one, 
they considered that blasphemy because here he was, in their eyes, a mere mortal, a human being on earth, claiming to be equal with God. Now, in, their, in response to their accusations of blasphemy, Jesus quotes Psalm 82. He says, is it not written in your law, I've said you are God's? And if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom, whom the father set apart as his very own and sent him into the world? Essentially, what he is saying to them here is, you received the word of God and by keeping the law, you become children of God. So as children of God, aren't you supposed to be like God yourselves? Shouldn't all true believers be able to say, I am the Father, are one? And if you lot are supposed to be like God, how much more the one who has already been sanctified by God? Isaiah called this child to come, everlasting Father, not because he was God the Father, but because he is for us the revelation of God. Jesus shows us what God is like. As a son of God, Jesus had a unique relationship with God the Father. <clears throat> and by the grace of God, we are invited to share that relationship, to know God as our everlasting Father through Christ. Sin separated us from God, but now we who are all once far away from him and excluded can be brought near and adopted into his own family through Christ. Jesus made that adoption possible by his sacrifice. And that's what Christmas is all about, the sending of that sacrifice. His father becomes our everlasting father and we all know what a good father does or at least what a good father should do because we see the example of good earthly fathers around us for many of us we see it in our own homes in our own earthly father and for those not fortunate enough to be in that position they at least have some concept of what I'm talking about here because they look upon others and uh, long for what they have with their own fathers. The first and most basic thing that a father does for us is to give life. Without our earthly fathers, we simply wouldn't exist. But in a physical sense, life is temporary. The average child born in Australia today, if it's a little boy, can expect to live 81 years. If it's a little girl, a little bit longer, can expect to live 85 years. Yet still, life is temporary. The life that our mothers and fathers impart to us will eventually come to an end. But the life that Jesus Christ brings will never end. It is everlasting. 
A father also loves, even at times when love might be difficult. Every child deserves the security and the peace that comes from knowing that he or she is loved unconditionally. Whether they mess up simply by making a big mess or whether in some other more serious and far-reaching way, everyone deserves to know that whatever it is that they may have done, they have a set of secure and welcoming arms that are always waiting to welcome them home, no matter how much distance they might have put between themselves and their father, they will always be welcomed home when a father's love is unconditional. Now, sadly, that's not the life experience for many people. Some live with an overbearing or abusive family or father. Some just feel that they can never live up to the high expectations that their father places on them. And some will therefore spend their lives feeling like a failure. Some are estranged from their earthly father and some simply don't even know who their father is. Some fathers die when the children are quite young and some leave and never see them again. Jesus said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. He loves us more than any earthly father ever could. The nail scars that those disciples examined on his hands are there to prove just how much he loves each one of us. They demonstrate that even death could not separate us from his fatherly love because it is everlasting. Many of us seek out wise counsel from our earthly fathers, whether it be subject selection at school, career choices, relationship advice, handyman advice. For most of us, dad can be counted on to give good advice through life because he knows best, he knows us best, and he has our best interests at heart always. Now, exactly what we think of our father's advice probably depends on what stage of life you are at. Young children think that their fathers know absolutely everything and can do no wrong. By the time your kids are teenage years, they probably think you know absolutely nothing and do everything wrong. And then as they get older, they start to realise that perhaps you do know one or two things and can be counted on for some wise advice. Eventually though, most of us will outlive our fathers and at some point we will end up wishing that they were still here to provide that wise counsel that fathers give. Jesus also has our best interests at heart and unlike our earthly fathers, he is all-knowing. He knows what lies ahead for us and he is uniquely placed by his Holy Spirit who dwells in us to walk with us through whatever life might bring. 
to lead and to guide us through all of life's journey. His fatherly guidance is everlasting. Fathers also have a role to play in protecting their children. 22-year-old Gracie Johnson is alive today because her loving earthly father instinctively surrendered his own life so that she might keep hers. Gracie was just 13 years old when her family went hiking in uh, Colorado. And as they were walking, a witness describes what sounded like the loud clap of thunder and boulders the size of cars descending down the side of the mountain towards the family. Instinctively, Gracie's father, Duane, dove on top of her, acting like a human shield. His body took the full force of those boulders that pummeled down that hill towards them and her life was saved while he surrendered his own for her. Gracie lost both her parents in that accident, also her sister and two of her cousins in that rock slide, but her life was spared because of that protective instinct of her father. Now hers is an extreme example. Not many earthly fathers are called upon to have to give their life for their child, but many of them make enormous personal sacrifice to protect and secure the best possible life for their child. They stay up late at night to ensure that teenagers have a safe ride home. They keep an eye on friendships. They want to know where their child is going, who they'll be with. They teach little children to cross the road safely. They teach them about strangers and they raise them to know right from wrong. They take out medical insurance for them. They get them well educated and they make sure they brush their teeth. All of the little everyday things that fathers do to protect us. But there are also big and life-changing things that some fathers do to protect their children and to secure a better future for them. Many of them make dangerous journeys, leaving everything behind to seek safety and protection in another country. Many of them sacrifice professional jobs to come to another country and work as a labourer to provide freedom and hope for their children's future. Many of them lobby governments for special uh, facilities and services that their child might need to live more freely and like everybody else. Some of them donate an organ for their child so that they can be free from the effects of disease. And many of them have gone to war to win freedom for their children and their children's children. But in the end, there's only so much that an earthly father can do. Some things are out of their hands. They cannot be everywhere at once to protect their child from evil. Only the Lord Jesus can do that. He will strengthen his children and protect them from the evil one. He will never not be there when they need them. 
because his fatherhood is everlasting. Now, a good father also provides for his children. He provides to the best of his abilities. Fathers love to see their children happy and they generally know how to give their children good gifts. In fact, sometimes it has to be reined in a bit at Christmas time. Sometimes, however, fathers simply don't have the means. They're not able to provide the type of upbringing that they would want for their families because certain factors in life have come upon them. Other times, the focus can be so much on the material that some of the other needs go unmet. The one thing that we really need, our earthly fathers cannot provide. Certainly they can point the way, but only Jesus, our everlasting father, can provide for us restored relationship with God. Jesus knows our every need. He knows our greatest need and he will provide our needs according to his riches in glory. Finally, a father disciplines, or at least he should discipline his children. Now, it's not really an enjoyable task of a father, but it's something that needs to be done. All children need to know right from wrong. All children need to be pulled up when they stray from the boundaries. And these days, people have all sorts of views about discipline. Some fathers are super strict. Others seem to have no boundaries at all. As scripture says, they disciplined us for a short time. This is our earthly fathers. Disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. So that we can have that same relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father. Jesus is our everlasting father because from the moment we claim him as such, we will know and experience everlasting life under his care. He will never leave us. He remains forever the founder and the head of his church. His kingdom will never perish. It might start out small, like a mustard seed, but under his fatherhood, it will grow and prevail. He always loves, always guides, always protects, and always provides for his children. And those he loves, he disciplines so that they might share in his holiness. Why wouldn't anyone want a father like that? None of us got any say in who our earthly fathers were. Some of us have truly great dads, others don't. But all of us get to choose whether or not we want to be part of God's own family and whether or not we choose to accept Christ as our everlasting father. This Christmas, we can choose again to ooh and ah at the baby in the manger, or we can see that baby born on Christmas Day for who he is, God with flesh on, 
God incarnate, the Father whose love for us was so great that it drove him to the cross to save us. A love like that demands a response. So each of us must think as we look at that little baby in the manger, we must think whether we have actually made him and know him as our Abba Father. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we bless you for your glorious plan. We thank you for the Christ child, the little baby who would show us just what you are like. You are wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Truly, Lord, there is 